0: This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which you can find on page 526 in the Book of Praise. It's a church we're considering the meaning of the confession that we make together. We have already considered God the Father and our creation. Now we look at God the Son and our redemption Here the church confesses, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saves us from all our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints, in themselves, or anywhere else, also believe in the only Savior Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior, Jesus. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept this Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Sometimes it works to combine different modes of transportation together. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but you can be on a bicycle, on a bike, and then hold on to the back of a pickup truck, and maybe that pickup truck can even be going on a a ferry, and if the truck is going slowly enough, you can merge these two or three ways of transportation together. But, and before you try this is an important thing to know, is that it never works to join different modes of transportation if they're going in opposite directions. If the only way out of a wildfire zone is on a train that is going in the opposite direction of the way that you want to go, you either have to change your direction and get on the train or stay in the wildfire. It's an either-or situation. And the Bible tells us that when it comes to our salvation, There is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ, for as Acts 4 verse 12 says, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And our confession emphasizes that the Son of God was given a name, which means Savior, to reveal to us that he is the only Savior. Although a person can combine many different religions and ways of living as they are carried by their sins into eternal punishment, the only way to go the opposite direction and be saved by the wrath of God against our sins and then received into God's favor is through Jesus, the Savior. And the good news that I proclaim to you today is that this salvation is freely granted to those whom God has chosen, and that there is nothing that we have to do or even can do in order to be saved. Jesus is such a complete Savior that he takes away any need to boast in ourselves, and he allows us to spend all eternity boasting in him, in the Lord. As the Holy Spirit teaches us in Jeremiah 9, verse 24, Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows the Lord. We'll see that boasting that denies the only Savior, Jesus, and boasting that glorifies the only Savior, Jesus. Although the word boasting is something that we're usually told not to do, especially in our homes, when we boast in the name of God, it has the sense of glorifying Him. In fact, we sang psalm 34, verse, uh, psalm 34 stanza 1 and in verse 2 of this psalm, you can see that psalm urges us to boast in the Lord. And the psalm that we sang, the rhyme version, replaced the word boast with, with glory, glory in the Lord boasting in the Lord is just giving him the glory that is due his name for all that he has done. We read some of that boasting in Jeremiah 10. We boast in the triune God when we say or we sing the Apostles Creed. We talk about God's work of creation and redemption and sanctification. We boast in Christ Jesus when we talk about his incarnation, his righteous life, his suffering, and his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension and his eternal rule. I boast of the Lord when I preach his name from this pulpit. You boast of him when you speak of his work to others. We all boast of him when we stand up in our Sunday clothes and and we sing the psalms and the hymns. And as we're boasting, this Lord's Day 11 comes to us and maybe it catches us a little bit it it tells us that it's possible to boast of Jesus in words but in fact deny that he is our only savior Jesus Christ what does that mean what does it mean to boast of our only savior Jesus in words while at the same time denying him do we ever do that Our confession is basically pointing out that not everyone who claims to be a saved Christian has truly grasped, has truly understood what Jesus Christ has done. That is why Jeremiah 9 verse 24 contrasts boasting in ourselves with understanding, with knowing the Lord. Although we often talk about God's undeserved favor and grace... We don't always apply these words to the way we live our lives. In this context, we need to be aware that it is possible to say that Jesus is our only Savior on the one hand, but then to live as if there are a list of things that we have to do for God in order to be saved. Think of the Israelites in the Old Testament, for example although they confess that there is only one God and that he is the one who saves them, every time they turned to an idol or an idol of one of the so-called gods of the nations around them, every time they adopted the thinking of the nations around them, they were showing that they didn't believe that the one God they were worshipping could save him all by themselves. They were seeking their well-being and salvation in other ways. And this joining of two religions is called syncretism. It's the first sign of denying that God is our only and complete Savior. You can join two modes of transportation going in the same direction, but you cannot combine idolatry with the God who commanded that we shall have no other gods before him. Boasting in Jesus while you are still seeking your salvation or well-being in some other place is like a person boasting in the speed and the saving work of a train that he is not on. You have to choose. Either you believe that the Son of God is not Jesus the only Savior because he left some things that you have to do, or you believe he is truly a complete Savior. And you can call him Jesus without any hypocrisy. I know that as God's people worshiping him today, we want to be saved from God's wrath. And I know that we all hate our sins, and we feel ashamed of the wicked things that we have said and, and done. And I know that we boast of in Jesus Christ as we recognize that he is the manifestation of the love of God who saves us from eternal punishment. But I also know that we are also often very proud of our accomplishments. And it's very difficult for us to believe Paul when he says that all our works are like useless garbage when it comes to our salvation. Although we have been socially conditioned to hold our tongue because people get annoyed when our boasting interrupts their boasting, we do love to receive praise for any good things we or our children have done. We like like people to see that we are wealthy. We like people to see that we are strong. We love to receive praise for our wisdom, and we like it. Because we often fall back into Satan's great lie that God is keeping track of these things, that our salvation depends on it. The theology of the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day is not that far from any one of us. We are still very influenced by the many churches and, and all the, 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 the books that these churches are, are publishing that makes membership in Christ's body dependent on one's ability to keep a list of rules. Children and teenagers are often only motivated to do what is right because they think their salvation depends on being a good person. It's difficult for children growing up in a home with rewards for good behavior to believe that there is nothing we could add to Christ's finished and completed work. And then when we get older We often show the same misunderstanding, but but we switch it around and we focus on the consequences of the wicked things that we have done. We wonder if God can still love us if we keep having sinful thoughts or if God will receive us back after we have fallen into the sins of adultery or using coarse language or laziness or hatred. And you know what? Christianity is not a lot of fun when we need to live with the burden that God is judging everything we do and evaluating if it is sufficient to earn his saving love. We constantly feel inadequate. We can never do enough. And that is why the Son of God's name, Jesus, is such an important and wonderful comfort for us. Brothers and sisters, when you feel the need, when you're struggling with your desire to boast in something that you have done, something that distinguishes you from the other sinners around you, remind yourselves that you cannot manipulate God's work of salvation in Jesus Christ by your works. The Jews in Jesus' day got it wrong when they thought that their strict obedience to the law was a necessary and and even sufficient condition for receiving God's grace and love. Any church that makes works a necessary condition for salvation is denying Jesus as the only and complete Savior. And when you struggle with an overwhelming sense of guilt and shame, and maybe even fear for your very salvation because of the things that you have done in the past and now hate with all your heart. Remember that God knows that you cannot be the God who he reveals in Jeremiah 9, verse 24. He knows that you cannot be God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. He knows that you cannot live like the Son of God who delighted the Lord with every single thought, word, and deed that He did while He was on the earth. God knew very well that you were a sinner when He sent His Son Jesus Christ to save you and that's why He promised that He would do everything for us. That's why the salvation that God offers to to the world does not Depend on anything that we need to do. There are no strings attached. God doesn't tell you that you have to be someone you simply can't be. He doesn't dangle salvation in front of you like a carrot and say, come on, come on and get it in your own strength. Such thinking, such language that makes salvation depend even slightly on you. That's a denial of our only Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ doesn't stand just out of reach announcing that he's the way. while he relies on you to come to him. Rather, he picks you up out of your misery. He embraces you close to himself and he carries you right into the presence of God. He is a complete savior. And perhaps the following illustration can help us understand our situation better. Imagine that you are in an area of the, the country that's in an evacuation alert because of wildfires. And many people we know are find themselves in such a situation. And as you are sitting there on, on your bike, you think to yourself, if I just pedaled hard enough, and I left the immediate danger of the flames on on that side of the town, then I could bike my way and escape the fire. You believe that you have the strength. You're you're willing to rely on others who, who might be going in the same direction as you. But shortly after you take off, you imagine a helicopter lands beside you, and the pilot tells you that he just surveyed the situation, and there was no way you could escape in your own strength. Not only are you heading directly into a much worse fire, but the distance is too great for you to make it on your own strength. The firefighters tell you that there is only one way, and that is to go through the fire on the train that will get you through to the other side. And so there you are, and you have two choices. Ignore the instruction of the firefighters, reject their idea of a free ride out, or abandon your bike and abandon your own attempts and climb on to the train that promises to carry you through the flames to safety. You see, you can't go in two directions at once. You can't bike one way and be carried on the train the other way. The gospel offer and call to submission is like that. It's only when we entrust ourselves completely to the Lord as our only Savior that we will be saved. The repeated mention of God's grace in the scriptures makes it very clear that the Lord wants his people to constantly remain humble before him. Humble, dependent, reliant, submissive. The Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 that God made a point of choosing those who were not wise according to worldly standards. Not powerful, not of noble birth, So that, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 29 says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And then Paul asks as he declares the gospel, he says, what then becomes a boasting? It is excluded. There is only one boast that is fitting on the lips of a Christian. It's not a boasting of ourselves or in any man, but it is to boast in the Lord. If we confess that Jesus is our Savior, we will boast of him with our words. We will live in a way that is consistent with our confession. There's boasting that glorifies the Son, our only Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel message that we confess is that whether or not we have been saved has been determined long before we were born. There's nothing we can do, good or bad, that can change God's plan for us. Jesus laid down His life for those whom the Father had decided would spend eternity with Him. God reached down into a common humanity that had equally plunged themselves into sin, and He gave life to dead sinners by working faith in our hearts and uniting us to His Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior. This gospel declaration is extremely exclusive it comes with the the clear statement that either jesus is a complete savior or he is no savior at all because god does not do partial work he doesn't make it possible for our salvation to depend even slightly on our own works because he knows that if he did no one would ever be saved he knows our hearts And if we truly believe that Jesus is the only Savior, then nothing we have ever done or feel we need to do can have a bearing on whether or not we will be saved. Even though you may witness faith in your hearts, we confess that even that faith in Jesus Christ was given to you by God. It's not a cause of your salvation. Jesus is not a Savior that we need to cooperate with. Our salvation is not like a potluck dinner where everyone who shows up needs to contribute something. They have, they have pieced together. and Thanks be to God for his indescribable grace. Christ has done everything for us and we have everything in Christ. And once we have completely stopped boasting in pride and people, in ourselves, or anything else, then we're able to boast in Jesus, the complete Savior. In 1 Corinthians 1, or 3, a little bit later in the passage, in in the book we read, the Holy Spirit says again, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. The antidote to boasting in ourselves is to recognize and and regularly confess that every one of us has received a complete and total salvation as a gift in spite of the fact that we are sinners deserving condemnation. Being saved by grace alone and only for the sake of Christ's merits, completely changes the way that we speak to God or speak about God to one another. To illustrate that, we can just go back to those people who were rescued on the train. When we are being carried out, to fire, uh, carried out of the fire in, in, into safety as passengers on a train that is captained by someone else, what will our boast sound like? Will anyone on that train be talking about how great of a biker they are? Will will anyone on the train be talking about how strong and persistent they are? Would anyone say that this was my idea? No, everyone would be praising strength and the efficiency of the train and the gracious mercy of the owner of the train who, who showed such self-sacrificial love by offering this way to you, even though he didn't know it. That's the kind of boasting that you will hear in the church of Jesus Christ for all eternity. That is the, the sound of the words that come from those who confess the Son of God is Jesus. That's the kind of boasting that Jeremiah 9 verse 24 calls us to. Understanding and knowing that the Lord is the only one who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Praise the Lord. We praise the Lord for fulfilling all the requirements of the law. And then graciously including us in this relationship. We'll sing about that in hymn 28. Every time we talk about the Lord and every time you talk about your salvation, those who believe in Jesus Christ will preface their words with, with the thought and, or perhaps even with the very words of Jeremiah 10, verse 23, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. When we confess and believe that the Son of God is called Jesus Because He is our only Savior, we also desire to show this by glorifying the name of the Lord, by boasting in the name of the Lord whenever we speak to God, whenever we speak about Him. And if you look at the order of of worship in, in, in the church of Jesus Christ, you can see how the order of worship drives us to use the words that don't point to ourselves but constantly point to the Lord. We begin our worship service with a confession of dependence. Our help is not our help is in the name of the Lord. We begin understanding that we are receiving the blessing of the Lord. Blessed is the man who relies on the Lord. And then we regularly read the law. And what do we do? We confess our empty hands, our sins. And in the songs and in and, and the preaching, we, we announce and rejoice together in the grace and the love of our triune God. When we understand and know the Lord as he revealed himself in his word as our only Savior, we will live according to this confession. We will, we will bring that attitude of our worship on the Sundays into to every part of our lives during the week. For example, when you gather in prayer, think about about your prayers. When you pray, what do you say? What kind of words do you use when you confess your sins? Do you see these sins that you are confessing as a hindrance to your salvation? Or do you confess them declaring the grace of God, the extent of Christ's work? so that you focus on glorifying His name and His work in your life? How do you glorify your only Savior, Jesus Christ, when you ask for what you need in this life? Do you you recognize that everything is ours in Jesus Christ at the beginning of your prayer and thank Him for giving you all that you need? Or do you present your needs as if they are things that God is expecting you to, to do to add to what Christ has done and how about your relationships to other people how do you glorify the name of Jesus when you talk to fellow Christians or to other people around you what do they hear from your mouth is it more of you Or is it more of God? When you think about people who have done things to hurt you, or when you're called upon to exhort a sinner, or when you teach your children to serve the Lord, or when you share the gospel with a friend or a stranger, how do you see that other person? Do the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, Verse 7, the display text of this day, do they come to your mind? Do you ask for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Do we glorify, do we boast in Jesus Christ when we speak to others? in the understanding of, that you have the same sinful human nature, that you are equally deserving of punishment, and that the only way to peace in this life is in Jesus Christ. May our Heavenly Father help us to see His grace every moment of our lives, to glorify, to boast in the name of the Lord. In everything that we say, to measure our words, to think about what we are communicating when we we speak so that it's always the name of the Lord that's glorified. The gracious work of Jesus Christ, the powerful, transforming work of the Holy Spirit. May the song of the church be as we will sing together in hymn 28, all blessing, honor, thanks, and praise to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.